This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Whitmer here, along with Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And you might be wondering, guys, it's the Primetime Podcast. Sean told me I wasn't going to see your face or hear your voice, Ricky, for at least four weeks. He already apologized last week. I know, I heard him. I just still wanted to say, um, Sean, family emergency. Hope everything's going okay with him. Um, I'm stepping in to kind of come back from my sabbatical because I'm not that far. It's not like I went on vacation or anything. I got that much money but we are talking NBA and college basketball today as we're going to look at the NBA combine biggest winners and losers from the weekend then we're going to dive into Kobe White and Darius Garland I don't know what the topic's going to be but it's going to be about their promises and kind of where they're going to go who do we think gave them those promises I'm just going to figure out the title later for YouTube. And then we will have Pat Hill on the podcast, one of our patrons on patreon.com backslash Mosval podcast to talk about Chaka Smart and his future with Texas because it's been four years and he kind of hasn't done anything, Dave. So we're mm. going to look at that to mm. end the podcast. If you want to be like Pat, who will be on later on the show, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash Mosval podcast for as low as a dollar. You get the MVP podcast the month early, but more importantly, Dave, what else do they get? We were talking to Retro and Jake on our what? You get access to our Discord server. And that is 24-7 access to, well, not 24-7, because like I said the last time, we got to sleep. Um, I'm not a machine, and I can't do, I can't do what there. Sean did. The whole crew's on there and week. active, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can talk to the MVP crew. You can talk to the MVP community as well, other real MVPs for as low as a dollar. And then if you want to be like Pat... $10, the gold tier. You get to come on a podcast of your choice each and every month and talk about what you would like to talk about. So check that link out in the description. But Dave, we are going to start with the NBA Combine. Happened over the weekend right here in our backyard in beautiful Chicago. Beautiful is a strong term for what the weather is right now. It's a little chilly. Like I was looking, it's like tomorrow's going to be rainy in 50s. It's like um, the whole week. And then like uh, apparently Wednesdays and Thursdays, it's supposed to get up into those low 80s. And then back to storming because it's a holiday weekend. <laughs> I just, Dave, I saw Five 80s days of storms. And I was like, dude, like that 80s is going to be really good for those two days. Sure. Um, but we're taking a look at the combine, kind of biggest winners and losers I'm going to throw it to you and let you pick first. I'm going to let you pick two things. First off, the first guy you want to talk about. And number two, whether we start off with a winner or a loser, I will let you take the first one. Sure, 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 sure. So I'm going to take one of the biggest losers okay. from this combine. And it's, it might strike you as weird, mm-hmm. but it's Brandon Clark. Okay. Because we can't we got his official measurables. Mm-hmm. And while he is confirmed as 6'8", and 6'8 wingspan, uh, his weight, solid range. The big problem is, like, that's great measurables, and, and it's elite for his athleticism and his uh, vertical mm-hmm. if you were a small forward. Yeah. He's not a small forward. He's, he's a power forward. He's power forward or yeah. center at the mm-hmm. NBA. So what does that mean for him, and what does that mean for his draft stock, Ricky? Well, and, I mean, Brandon Clark's been a guy that I'll admit in my – Lottery, when we did the lottery mock, yeah, I had him way too high. I had him at four. Did you? That was a little bit of a reach. Did, are you um, going to come out and say it right now to the people? Yeah, it was a little bit of a reach at the time. Um, but that's the thing I will say, sidebar, yeah. um, that I love about doing the mock live. Oh, man, the pressure. We, dude, it is pro- like 
they don't know, but like the mock that they usually see is like my third, maybe at least my second. Yeah. But sometimes my third or my fourth go like oh, yeah. go at it. It I'll takes just throw, time to cultivate. I will just throw names on a page and then yeah. let it sit and then go, all right, let me rearrange these. But when Sean's better. just like Go. <laughs> and you're just like, what the fuck? You're supposed to go to Ricky first, man. You're I not know. supposed to put me on the I know, like right? That threw me off because I was ready with my guy. I was it's like, not. Dave, it's like, oh, oh, I have my you're guy. keeping ready. me on my toes. <laughs> I know, I know. I was a little shocked too by that. But that's the thing with Brandon Clark. I feel like it's not going to hurt him that much. It's just going to be like, because he's a guy that before the combine has kind of been on a steady rise where. Brandon was the one where he's like, he's in my top five so on my high. big board. Um, and everyone's like, dude, what are you talking about? Um, and then coming up to the combine, people are like, he could be a top five player in this draft. Like, he could Not a top rise. five pick, but um, a top five player in the exactly, class. Exactly. Um, on a big board different than a mock draft. But he is still a guy to me that I think is going to be a late lottery guy. So I'm looking at his range between 11 and 14, like, Boston, if he's there at 14, Boston will take him. I still think if he goes to, if he's there for the Minnesota Timberwolves, they would be stupid not to grab him, especially what's going on um, with their position at the four with Taj Gibson um, being a free agent this year, and you're not going to bring back Taj Gibson unless it's like really cheap and it's like a vet minimum um, for one year. And I mean, even the Hornets, like the Hornets could use power forward. The Heat could really go with anything. Um, that they want. So to me, it's like it stops his rise in my case. Right. But it's not going to tank him out of the lottery. But when you hear the names of guys who have the same six eight mm-hmm. and a quarter inch shoes, six eight and a quarter wingspan, two hundred seven pound frame, mm-hmm. you're hearing guys like Gordon Hayward, Clay Thompson, Rodney Hood. Yeah. Credit due. This is I am going off of the ESPN uh, draft combine mm-hmm. winners losers just to give you guys an idea of. That listing being put mm-hmm. together. So when you get an idea of that frame, I get it. Like he he needs to muscle up, but mm-hmm. does this add more questions? We already thought positionless player. Like I'm not sure what he really is. We were thinking defensively he can be a five sometimes. Mm-hmm. Offensively, maybe a four. Now you're like, is he a four or a three? He doesn't have a shot on the outside yet. So you can't put him with the three safely. Mm-hmm. But he's got the rim protecting instincts of a four or five. So I don't yeah. know. I think it adds more questions. Um mm-hmm. you still look at the tape. Like his whole season, we've got him on tape playing at Gonzaga. We've got two years mm-hmm. prior to that at San Diego State. So like, uh, you've got enough tape of him. You either mm-hmm. like his gameplay or you don't. But my question is, is, even if you like him, how do you you know where does he fit on your team? And that one, I don't know. That's going to be interesting. I think that he's a player where his success at the NBA level is going to depend heavily on his coach's ability to mm-hmm. find a home for him on the court. You know, and this is just, I don't think he's going to be there because this team has the, what exact pick are they at? They're at 23. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to be that low. I feel like Brandon Clark, because of these measurables now, is going to need a team like Utah. Ah. And the reason why I say that is Utah's got Ruby, Rudy Gobert. Where if we've got our defensive stalwart, our rim protector down low to where, yeah, we're going to play you at the four. And if Rudy has to come over and help you, like, and I kind of feel bad saying that because it's like you're drafting a guy then knowing he's going to need help defense almost but every he was single such a time. Good, well, no, he was such a good defender in mm-hmm. college. That's the thing that doesn't make sense. So it's like, great, you were able to dominate college defensively. Mm-hmm. 
But where are you going to be able to but be when guys are faster, stronger? Exactly. Mm-hmm. When that's... the average power forward in the NBA is going to be a little bit bigger and mm-hmm. quite a bit heavier. And I get it. You're going to put on muscle, but you're already an older prospect coming mm-hmm. out. And I that, don't know. And that's there's, another there's thing. Questions that, asked. And that's another thing that kind of scares me with it because if he was, let's say, 19, like yeah. 18, 19, I would say easy. Like, hey, he's a guy that teams just have to be real with. Yep. And go. You've got to work on being a three. Like yep. that is your game. But like when you're an older prospect, it's like, is a team going to take a risk on you mm-hmm. if you're going to be like, what's his position going to be in the NBA? That's what needs to be decided. Because if he's going to work on being a three, yeah, then okay, I'll draft you knowing that's what you're going to be. And then if you're going to be a four, I'm going to draft you knowing on that. Um, but the big thing that's a glaring thing, like you said, for the three, him playing the three, yep. is that I look at the free throw percentage, and usually because free throw percentage, if you're a good free throw it's shooter, an indicator. It, it's an indicator of a good shot, and he was 69%. That's terrible in my book. No. I'm, an, I'm, I'm a guy. 69% I'm, for a big man is not terrible. I'm, for a big man, no. But like I am a, and Sean knows this, I'm a free throw, free throw savant where I want that 80s, 90s, kind of. I know the 90s is almost untouchable, but I want like a low 80s free throw because I'm the kind of guy where, and people could disagree with me with this, it's the easiest shot in basketball. There's no one in your way. It's just practice. There's you just no have to put one in, in time. Way. Exactly. Um, Same motion so, over and over and over. So for me, I see 69, and I mean, not many attempts. He was only averaging about four per game. It's pretty um, good for Kyle. But they had a ton of, like, he was the main ball handler. Right. At Gonzaga. They share. Um, but then, like, from three, he barely took him, and he barely hit him, like 26%. So, I mean, if you're going to play the three, you're going to have to shoot from the outside. And that's where I go, can he develop that outside shot? Exactly. Which I'm kind of – I'm not on. Like, I don't think he can, and I think that it's going to be maybe a a little bit of a struggle. And, like, even with Minnesota now, because I said, like, they could take him. Yeah. Like – I don't even know then if that's a good fit because that, we, everybody's been mocking him there since yeah. the beginning of time because you're like his defense fits perfectly with Cat's mm-hmm. offense and it makes up for each other and they're a great pairing because you can play Cat outside mm-hmm. in and you can play him inside out yeah. and it works out perfect mm-hmm. and he may still be a great four in the NBA it's just the size concern is real I mean it's not the worst measurements we've had in this uh, mm-hmm. combine but it is. You know, confirming what we we had fears about. Mm-hmm. I was hoping to see him like six nine and three quarters. Yeah, six ten would have been great, but mm-hmm. obviously he is not. So unfortunate. But, the the one guy I'm going to bring yeah. up is I'm going to go winner on okay. this one. Okay, Taco Fall. To me, this is a guy where I know you're going to roll your eyes, Dave, and you're going to be like, already rolled my eyes. You're going to be like, well, Ricky, he is not going to be anything in the NBA because, like, if if Sean is so down on Bull Bull in his knees, what's Taco Fall going to do? And I saw the when I saw the measurements alone, I was like, holy shit! Like, if he can play, like this guy, the official measurements from I'm getting this from busting brackets. um, He measured seven seven. Um, which was one inch taller than he was listed in college, yep. with a wingspan of eight two and a standing reach of nearly ten three. This is a guy that I know that like you look at his frame and it's you kind of see the same thing as ball ball, where it's like, dude don't dude looks like he's he doesn't thicker. have a ton of muscle. He's, he's thicker than ball ball, but it's like, you know, he's still got that kind of thinner frame. 
My question is, and I'm saying winner knowing he's probably going to be a mid at the highest to late second rounder, but is this a guy that a team later in that second round who maybe needs a center, and I'm looking at Tankathon, and the team they have him going with, I would absolutely love Golden State. Like, you know what? They've already got their team. They're the only team in basketball where it's like, just give them a good five. That's not Andrew Bogut. Because Andrew Bogut at this point, he was good when he was the first stint. Now this stint's like, yeah, we'll put you out there to start, but you're not going to play many minutes, Andrew. Like, I know DeMarcus Cousins is supposed to be their five this year. He got injured. Look, Taco Fall is a player who needs a lot of time to continue to grow his game. Mm-hmm. He He's still fairly raw in his skill set basketball-wise, and I would love to see him spend a year or two in the G League uh, really focusing on building up like his core mechanics. Mm-hmm. Do I think he can be out there for more than 10 minutes in, in a game? Probably not. He's, he's, he's in the Boban range, but he's like... Worse than Boban by a considerable amount. Okay. Offensively, he is not good. Defensively, he is still slow. Uh, his size is is a matter of just impressiveness. I, I will give you that. Mm-hmm. And when he is near the rim, it's damn hard to go up there against him. Um, but with that being said, the modern NBA is so dependent on the pick and roll system and being able to switch, and he can do neither of those. He can't defend either of those things. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he is a limited player who due to his size, is absolutely going to get drafted or at least picked up a two-way contract after the draft is over. Um, he's he's a G-leaguer, and you'll see him novelty mints in the mm. NBA. I It would be great if he could be more, but like it's just there's no way he has the ability to move at the speed and pace mm-hmm. that's required. The thing that I think back to, too, with Taco Fall, and this is kind of a little bit of a glimming light in my case. Yeah. Although Zion, think about the tournament, although Zion against UCF in that game where Duke barely escaped um, the Golden Knights, um, Zion still had 32. But that was a game that both he and Taco Fall was a battle the whole time. Taco Fall fouled out at the very end of the game. Zion was one foul from fouling out in that one. And Taco Fall had three blocks in that game. And I kind of think what... The size that we're seeing at the Combine and what I saw in that game, was it a perfect game from Taco Fall? No, but if he was able to show that glimmer of defense against the guy that all year we've said, number one pick in the in the draft, he's going to come in and make an impact right away, it kind of gives me that glimmer of hope where it's like, hey, if I can get him where I think I can later in that second round, it might be one of those where, hey, I'm going to take a flyer on him. Because a second round pick is almost like to some teams, it's like a second round pick is meaningless. Like oh, we see a lot they're, of them, they're like, a lottery ticket. It's basically that, and it's also like, well, we don't need this pick. We're not going to waste a roster spot. We'll sell this pick for cash. Um, also, that's what we see with the second rounder. So he's one I'm intrigued with, and I'm glad that the measurements came out that they were, because now he can get mocked into the second round. Like before the combine, I wouldn't even put him in a two rounder. I would say. He'd be undrafted, signed by a team. Let's see what you do in summer league. But now I can say there's a chance he goes late second round in the NBA draft. I'm going to stick with your theme of big man and okay. say bull bull as a disappointment. <laughs> as a disappointment. Uh, he's he big. <laughs> he big. Uh, his, his measurables were great up mm-hmm. until you got to his weight. He measured in yeah. like 
208. Uh-huh. Like, was it 208 or was it 206? Here, let me see. It was... So he had a standing 7 foot 2 and a quarter in shoes, 7'7 seven, seven wingspan, and weighed 208 pounds. Down yeah. considerably from the 234 he weighed in at the Nike Basketball Academy last August. Which I get it. The man had a foot problem, which meant mm-hmm. that, hey, guess what? I, I can't work out, so I'm not going... Like, his conditioning got mm-hmm. thrown to shit. So I get it. But he, him losing all that weight is like starting over again as far we're, as conditioning We're summer. assuming he lost all that muscle weight, right? Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what goes. So... Uh, I am a little concerned about that, mm-hmm. and I was I was really happy, you know, that he had been lifting in college up to that point because he he came in at like you said two thirty five. Mm-hmm. It's a decent weight. That's not too bad with that frame, but he is so frail, thin, mm-hmm. and I I am just concerned about that weight issue. So I think that yes, once he once he is completely healthy again, gets back to a lifting re- regiment, goes mm-hmm. on official diet with strength and conditioning coaches, like. Yeah, I, I'm not uber worried, but like him coming in and like, dude, just by not being able to work out, you mm-hmm. like crushed your weight down. Yeah, that means that like there's a legitimate chance that you have to be heavily focused on strength and conditioning. That's that's a forever part of your career because of your size and your build. Which I get it. I knew that was always a thing, but this was a little bit surprising to me actually as well. Well, the thing that I keep thinking now, especially after the combine. I know on our Hawks segment, which depending on when I decide to put this up, yep. it's either going to come out the same day as today, later in the day as today, or yep. it's already up at this point, um, depending on... If this if you're listening to this Tuesday, it's up. If you're listening to it Wednesday, it's up. Um, in our Hawks, best fits. I know I brought up in that one the Jackson Hayes because of the defense that he brings, although yeah. he is younger and needs a little bit more work. There's a part of me, though, that just keeps now after this, the weight and, like you said, where Bobo's going to need some time. I almost think he's a perfect pick for the Atlanta Hawks. And the reason why I say that is I think of Joel Embiid. When Joel Embiid was coming out, he was thin. Yep. We were talking about his knee injuries, and it's like, is he even going to be able to do anything in the NBA because of his size, his weight, and because of the injury history that he had. Yep. Same thing we're questioning Ball Ball about. And the 76ers took him because we all know TTP, trust the process, mm-hmm. um, although Joel Embiid is now fucking the process because they lost. But no, he's still point. he's still doing his thing. He was a little upset after the loss. That's what I'm making Did you see his Twitter? Did. I did. I did. Thank I'm just you. making fun of him for the, the comment that he made. Who asked somebody that, that shit after you lose your game seven? <laughs> like, I'd be like, go fuck yourself, sir. Little, That's pretty much I, what I he said. I watched it and I was like... Joel, I get where you're coming from. Little composure. Be be composed. Jimmy here, can't talk for him. Yeah, Jimmy cannot talk for him. But I mean, with ball ball, I feel like the Hawks are that same kind of a team where they are building their young team. They could take a stab on ball ball, whether it's at eight, whether it's at 10, no matter where they think they're going to get him. Yep. And he could be someone that maybe, I say maybe, but it's a lot of hope too because. Like, nobody knew Joe was going to be the guy to work his ass off and basically put on that weight and become the player that he is today. And I'm not saying Ball Ball is going to be the next Joel Embiid and basically Say take it. the NBA by storm. Say it. But the Atlanta, Hawks, <laughs> the Atlanta Hawks can take a stab on Ball Ball, Bull Bull, and 
if he develops the same way and has the same attitude towards getting bigger with weight and working on his game, getting back from his injury, he could be good with Atlanta. Like the question for Bull Bull is if he goes to a team where they cannot wait and cannot give him time. I don't think he, it's not the fact of waiting. It's like just understand his body and being able to be bodied Mm -hmm. up down low in the low post. There's no way like him weighing 208 versus Mm -hmm. him going up against Joel Embiid. Yeah. Like that matchup would be hilarious. It's like asking Mm -hmm. Thon Maker to play defense against. It's just, yeah, we get it. He's tall, but he also weighs like half a leaf. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just not, it's not going to work out defensively for you. Yeah. Um, Yes, he he can you know stick his arms up and alter shot angles, but that's about the best you could hope for. Mm-hmm. Defensively, he's not exactly a savant anyway. You're really taking him on the offensive upside because he has such a great shot. He can hit ball handle. All of that's still there. Mm-hmm. And this just I saw some hilarious people on Reddit who I'll leave nameless. Like, well, this just means he's slimming down to play the four. You know, <laughs> you know they're like he's a ball handling Kevin Durant. He's gonna be that stretch four. He's the next Kevin Durant. Yeah, he's the next Kevin Durant. It's like gonna... Jesus Christ, people. He is <sighs> worlds apart. I'm gonna go on the other side. So you, the first guy you mentioned was a loser. I mentioned only losers. You yeah. mentioned only okay. winners. That's that's the game okay, we're playing right, right now, Ricky. I'm gonna mention a loser though. Oh, okay. Um, we'll switch it up. Yeah. And this is kind of like a take it with a grain of salt sure. kind of a thing. Yep. Grant Williams. Mm. I know he shot like shit, basically. Yeah, his, his, his five on five games were poor. But here's the thing. First off, I I have a feeling with the five on five games and some of like the drills, mainly the five on five, I kind of have the same feeling that like Mark said about DK Metcalf on the NFL side. Let's hear Where it was like. Yeah, who cares? He ran a 40 really fast in his underwear. Like, that's not going to, like, we when he ran when he ran the cone drill, he was, like, Mark's big thing was, but when he ran the cone drill, he was really slow. And I feel like, yeah, I'm not saying that everything at the combine is not important. Right. But I feel like we have to take it with a grain of salt. Where is Grant Williams in the NBA going to be exactly what he was at Tennessee? No, he is not going to be the guy in crunch time that you go to for a final shot. The guy that Grant Williams is for me is, is he now a second rounder in my mind? Absolutely. Like Whoa. at the, at the, at the Whoa. I could see him sneaking in to the like late first round. Yeah. But I feel like now he is slipping into the second, but he is a guy that you draft to basically be, to me, yep. that presence in the locker room, where he's going to be a good presence in the locker yeah. room. As he grows into a veteran, he's going to be, I almost want to compare him to Draymond Green. But Draymond this, Green's been amazeballs. No, no, I know that. And that's the thing of, like, I don't know if he's going to get to the level of play of Draymond, but what Draymond brings to that Warrior team as kind of like the so background name guy. Some sixth man, seventh man, eighth man on a team who who has got the emotional get-go. But see, I don't think he's limited to just being a sixth man. If he works his ass off, he could be a guy that's in a starting lineup for a team. And for me, the biggest thing he brings to a team is that locker room presence. See, or, what, he, just, or he just got nervous at the combine and didn't shoot well. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that he wasn't playing with his team in his scheme. This is a guy who benefited heavily from being surrounded at Tennessee by talent and being able to play in a system that revolved around him heavily. The Admiral. Yeah, he had he had the Admiral Schofield out mm-hmm. there. Grant obviously was a big key 
big piece himself. But mm-hmm. like my point is, when you're used to playing with those guys, the the five on five games at the combine are very free flowing. Yeah, it's very much. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it's not like you usually know playing the at the Y. It's but usually like, the ISO guys that yeah. do the best. There, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of individual ways to, to succeed. Mm-hmm. And Grant Williams, what he does is he makes the small things big things. He he's yeah. great uh, as a post passer. He's a solid team player. He plays decent help mm-hmm. defense. Like there's a lot of those things where he sets guys up to succeed by doing the little things, and that's not going to show in that five on five scrimmage in mm-hmm. my mind. So I don't I don't get too disappointed with dropping him because of his poor shooting performance mm-hmm. there like you watched out the air the man lives and dies at the stripe that is how he earns his money so when i watch him play i was disappointed but honestly not shocked because in my mm-hmm. in the back of my head right i was like system player system player yeah and i mean that's the big thing of and that's why i brought up like the nfl thing that mark and i talked about is because i think that's a case here of like just because he had a bad performance at the combine doesn't mean he's a bad prospect. And that's a, that's the thing where I yep. wanted to bring Grant Williams up. Technically a loser, but won't be a loser if he goes to a team that knows how to fit him into their system or their system fits him as a player, which would be right. ideal. So I'll, switch I'll, it up I'll flip the work? other side then. Okay. And I'll take a guy who sucked in college, okay, but had a good performance at the combine. I'm going to take the Nasir guy. Little. Oh, you didn't take the guy that I was going to take next. Go no, ahead. talk no, about I'm, Nasir. I'm taking Nasir Little. Top ten pick according to Sean. Top, he may <laughs> he may fucking go well. Top yeah. ten. Like he's got a body. He measured in with the mm-hmm. NBA body, and Sean and I laughed about that. But it was like, yeah, no, you measured in well. Uh, you. You look like you are confident in yourself and you're talking about your experience in college. Mm-hmm. And some people may not like the fact that he's throwing a veteran coach in Roy Williams uh, under a bus. I'll get into that. I'll get into it. But at the same time, I, I think that he is uh, either whoever's whispering in his ear mm-hmm. or he himself. This confidence is a good thing for him. Mm-hmm. Size wise, I was hoping he'd be a little bit taller, uh, but six six with that wingspan. Pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he comes in as an above-average defender already, a, a good slasher, and he's just got the athleticism um, that kind of reminds me of... Oh, I'm trying to think of an athletic player from the past couple of years. Maybe maybe, maybe Jalen Brown-esque as far so as athleticism. You want to know what's funny about you saying that? Yeah. ESPN has here, um, after they list his size and weight, yep. they said, which... Place him somewhere between Jalen Brown and Kawhi Leonard. probably in the back in of my head. In terms of then, yeah. physical comps, this is probably in the back of my head. That's why I read it. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Brown's been a guy that we've been joking around all year. That it's like, yeah, Nasir Little. We shit on him all year, so he's going to go to the NBA and actually play well for the team he's on. Because that's what Jalen Brown. He just did. needs time to develop his shot mm-hmm. and, and to be put in a system where it's more than just a uh, whatever role he was given in college. Yeah. I don't want to say anything else about that. Well, and my big thing is I will get into that because I was not you a fan. I was not a fan of those comments that he made because it's kind of a double-edged sword in my mind where I do agree with you the confidence is a big thing. And with him and Cam Reddish, I'll say, confidence is the big thing. If they can get confidence in their play, they will be good at the NBA. The thing that just rubbed me the wrong way is the fact that I kind of – maybe it's because I put myself – in those situations. Yeah. And if it was me, I would have taken kind of the stance of, I'm not going to blame my coach. I'm going to blame myself. We're yeah. like, like if I'm a scout, if I'm a GM, if I'm a president of basketball, anyone in the front office for a team, 
I don't want to hear a player blame someone else, blame something else. You want that player that's going to put the onus on him and be like, you know what? It was me. Should have worked harder. This didn't work. I don't know why it didn't click. I, I'm going to move on from it. But basically, I'm putting it all on me. I can only get better by myself. Or not by yourself, but like you're the main person that helps you get better. Like if you don't have the drive, you're not going to get better. So to me, it kind of just rubbed the wrong way. And it's mm-hmm. like I understand if you had a bad relationship with Roy Williams because it kind of like you said – old veteran head coach, Roy Williams kind of seems like the guy to me that it's either my way or the highway, basically, where you're going to fit into this system. I'm going to tell you what to do, and this is what you're going to do, yeah. or else you're going to ride the pine pony. Um, and that's basically, if that was the case and it rubbed Nasir the wrong, wrong way, I understand. But that is not something I would have come out and said. That is something in team interviews like behind closed doors i would have talked about without throwing it's just Roy unclear the about the specifics of his role on mm-hmm. offense that's all he yeah. said and it, it it got a little blown up but uh-huh. same time you got you look at the but, game hey, tape you look at the stuff that's come around about you, you him got, on the court you gotta learn sometimes that's gonna happen you say yep. something to the media it will get twisted get blown up it will get twisted heavily the guy that i thought you were gonna steal from me when you when you said a guy who didn't play well in college yep that basically showed up for the combine. Quentin Grimes. This is Quentin. a guy. This is a guy early on. I'm actually gonna. I forgot where I had him on my first big board. All I know, it was a ridiculously high. Sean had like, him at uh, him high? highest. Sean had him the highest. That's so all I remember my very first big board yep. that Brandon and I did to start this season. Yep. I had Quentin Grimes as my top ten prospect. Yeah, I had him tenth in the nation. Then at 2.0, he dropped to 24, between 1 and 2. Then in 3, don't even think he was on it. Yeah, he wasn't even on my big board. Wasn't on the last one we did as well Our way-too-early um, mock, 1.0. I believe Sean had him in the highest. I think we all may have mentioned him. I don't know. Is I can pull that up. Yeah, and you guys um, could see those, too, if you were members of Patreon. Yeah, you can. If you get in that $1 tier, you could see. The NBA big board is going up this week, because that's what we're it doing is. next week. Um, Sean had him ninth to the Cavaliers at the time. Uh-oh. Um, Am I a liar? I had him seventh Uh-oh. to the Bulls at the time. No, that's not right. I thought I had... Oh, I had Zion the highest. Yeah, I had Zion to the Zion Magic. Because yeah. um, I was like, no, I thought I had Zion to the Bulls. No, it was Sean that had Zion to the Bulls. Um, so Sean had him ninth to the Cavs. I had him seven to the Bulls. Right, row. You did not yes. have him. Yes. Validation. But you had Nasir Little at number two. But I had John Morant on that list, and neither y'all did. No, I didn't. You had him at five to the Magic. Yeah, because guess what? The Magic need a point guard. My, I've been saying that for three years. The only two guys that are like, wow, was um, Shemi Shatu, because he was no nowhere near the top ten. Yeah. Um, now And Trey Jones for you. Yeah. And the only guy that's not in the lottery for me was Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes and Trey Jones I had at ten. Everyone out, like most of it, everyone... Yep. Is in that discussion. I mean, Sean's Romeo Langford at number one was kind of like, ugh. Um, but a bold we, take. 
We thought it was going to be a little too bit early. better. That was the whole point. Um, but the guy I brought up was Quentin Grimes, basically because of the tweet that I found mm-hmm. from Kevin um, Fla- Flaherty. I think I said that Flaherty. right. Flaherty. That's right. Um, it's <laughs> K Flaherty at um, 247 said, wow, apparently hey, Quentin Grimes impressed in first game. ESPN's broadcast quoted NBA team rep saying what Quentin Grimes did in 19 minutes here was more impressive than his six months at the University of Kansas. He did. He was he was a very good passer in that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also did decent defensively too. Uh, scoring wise. I think he shot. okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I I would love to believe in him. It'd be a great story that uh, as a five star recruit uh, coming out of high school, that uh, you were able to rehab one of the most disappointing college seasons that we've seen out of a five-star recruit in recent memory. So it'd be dope. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I've given up on him. But at the same time, I also was like, dude, you should go back. You could, That's you what could I be, you know, if you kill it next year, you could be a lottery pick, maybe. Yeah, he was the like, top. Be like, he was a top recruit coming out of Texas. Yeah, that says a lot. Tenth overall. Yep. Damn. I mean, but I don't know. I think he's a guy where if he kills it during uh, during his next season in college, mm-hmm. he could he could come all the way back up to lottery. But now at this mm-hmm. point, you're hearing positivity about this. Do you think someone says, "Hey, I think so"? We come we we come get you right at the top of the second round. I don't. See, do you think he's a first round talent now? Just because no, that. Thank I don't. you. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm trying to read your your emotions over no, there, man. The, the thing is that here's the thing I'm trying to think of if I'm Quentin Grimes is, let's say a team says, yep. hey, we'll take you top of the second. Part of me goes, hey, that's nice. I don't like that promise. I'm going to come back be a first-rounder next year. Like, yep. Part of me goes, does he do the Jonte Porter without being a first-rounder? Because Jonte last year was a first-rounder and came back to try to up his stock even more. Um, Daniel Gafford, same thing, was in our top 25 for Brandon and I. Yep. And basically it was our big board came out and then he decided to come back to college. He was in our top 25 and it was like, holy crap, why is he coming back? He's a first round talent. If Quentin Grimes gets a second round promise, I would still go back if I was him because I think that what he showed here is, hey, I am good enough to be... Not necessarily a first-round pick this year, because I wouldn't take him in the first round. But if he goes back to school, improves his game, mm-hmm. I think he can improve himself to be a first-round pick next year. Yeah, entirely possible. All right, I've, I've got One some more positivity. Guy? Okay, Dave going winners now. Positivity. <laughs> I'm going with, we saw something interesting out of Jalen Leck, a guy who mm-hmm. came off, uh, again, he was a fifth-year high school player. Yeah. Sean I had mentioned him last week or the week before. He... Uh, Pretty explosive player. Mm-hmm. Dunker. Doesn't seem to have much of a shot yet, but good size. Measured in at six foot four and a quarter with a six foot eight and a quarter wingspan, which is dope. Uh the thing with him, apparently, uh per a lot of rumor mills, uh the Celtics front office has been scouting them scouting him for about two years now. Mm-hmm. And after his measurables and a little bit of time in the five and five. Yeah, it looks like he uh, might have a promise from the Celtics to go in the second, maybe second round. Uh, they've got you know a handful of picks in the first, but they still have they a second round. A ton of picks overall, so they could they could move up to get him early in the second. He's someone who is interesting because offensively, man, this man is just he is 
he's got great size for the point guard position, mm-hmm. but at the same time, that intensity of throwing down just gives you Russell Westbrook impressions. Well, and I just, for me, I wonder overall, because when I listen to you and Sean talk about the combine guys before the combine, yeah, um, when you're like, we're just going to go through 50 names and yeah, just go through all of them. It literally was. <laughs> it was crazy. The thing it's an that, hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> the thing that I'm sitting here and kind of yeah. wondering about yeah. is that point guard position, because... We've got Ja, yep. we've got Kobe, yep. we've got Darius Garland. Correct. After that, it's like, who are you going to... Like, you got to yeah. find your diamond into the rough. You do. Shamori Pond, second rounder. Ty Jerome, second rounder. Carson Edwards, second rounder. Um, Jared Harper, second rounder. Like, there's no we other... We grade them as second rounders, rounders but out of desperation, a team might take one of them in the late first. True. Because um, point guard is so thin in this class. Do you think someone trades up to take um, lack in the... I, the Celtics, by all means, apparently seem to be just enamored with the kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, I mean, he's got good size. He can't shoot for a lick, though. So Depen- I think depending you need on to work what on they that. do, do they take him at twenty-two? <sighs> that seems awfully high, but depending that's the same on, range. Depending on what they is do, is my boy Anthony went right and twenty. They've got fourteen and twenty in this draft. Where where did Anthony go, pick wise? Anthony Simons. 24. Yeah, I mean, that's... His game was so much better. Like, offensively, he's saying still, Anthony's Anthony game was, was so much quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, his shot was just incredible. And that's the that thing. That 22 pick, though. You know who went 22 last year? Whom? Clutchitson, Dave. Hmm. It's, a, it's a cursed pick. Hella disappointing. <laughs> um, I don't think I don't think he's worth the first round talent, but I mean you're, Clutch, you mentioned the Clutchinson was a guy that people are like, oh, the Bulls kind of reached at twenty two, right? <laughs> we did. We um, promised him twenty two, really. Seems like a lot for a player who's not been able to produce, and especially as an older mm-hmm. player in college. But whatever, yeah. not a Bulls fan topic today. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but the Celtics, <laughs> if they took him at twenty two, would that be a Simmons or a Hutchinson? I mean, it's a reach, but he's young and he's big. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if you can teach him to shoot, it could be worthwhile. The last guy I'm going to bring up, I don't know if you have any more. If you do, do yours. we can say nope. afterwards. The last guy I'm going to bring up is Carson Edwards. Um, and the reason why. Why why Carson Edwards? For me is because he disappointed. Oh, like To me, it was no. one of those where he had a chance to kind of cement himself for like, this is what you're going to get from me. Yeah. And now we're getting articles like the one that I'm seeing out of the what is this the local indiana papers um but like journal and courier um jconline.com whatever his role carson edwards looking to impress nba teams during the draft process and it's like now we're looking at it and it's like he might not even like teams might have to look and go what's your role going to be on the team because the thing that sean's always said when i brought up carson edwards Mm -hmm. sean would always be like dude small And I'd be like, yeah, but dude can score. He can. But it's like now if teams don't even see you as like the, yeah, you can be a scorer off our bench and you're not fit into a role. Yeah. It's going to be hard for him. Like I I don't think that he is done by any means, but it was he was one of the guys that kind of took a hit at the combine. And I feel like with guys like you brought up with Lack, like Shamori Ponds and all these other point guards mm-hmm. that are around that, even Ty, Ty Jerome out of Virginia, all these other guards being there that they might overpass him and he might go down lower than I thought he was going to be at. Last thing I'm going to ask you, though, before I sure. wrap this up. I'm going to rapid fire some names off that. 
Are there any guys that you think are for sure going to pull their name out of the draft process because of what happened at the combine? You know, I don't. I don't okay. have any guarantees yet because everything's still so fluid. Um, I know there's a lot of guys who I don't think are like draft worthy, mm-hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean they're going to pull their names yeah. out and go back to college. Because of course, if you get that promise, you're like deuces, I'm going. It's hard to say no to guaranteed mm-hmm. money. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm a pass on that one for now. All right. Who's some rapid fire names you want to mention here at the end? All right. So great measurements and a Jody drills from Casey Akpala. Mm-hmm. The dude is huge and he plays with all that size mm-hmm. um, and he's got good speed for it. So great for him. I'm going to say Talon Horton Tucker. Shorter than I thought. Up. Dude, that wingspan though. But that wingspan. <laughs> <laughs> that wingspan though. Uh, Dallin Horton Tucker is a weirdly shaped man. The Bucks are going to trade up for him, right? Uh, well, he, naturally, the guy who's on in charge of the team wingspan is on the Magic now. Oh, okay. So he's their two of the future. Oh, okay. He can't shoot well, but he's so, their two. So of the we're future. saying lock it in, Talon Horton Tucker, sixteenth. Mm, I hope not, <laughs> but maybe. Magic trade down for him then. They're maybe. Gonna get him. Maybe he he's an interesting one. Um, outside of those two guys, uh, Darius Basley did show up and mm-hmm. does look like he is a distributing big, which is nice. Um, nothing, nothing horrible, nothing great. Mm-hmm. Just, he looks like he is still able to play basketball in the five and five. It was just like a, you know, uh, are you able to play with other people again? Cause you know, yeah. we haven't seen you play with people outside of like your own gym. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Uh, Jonte border cut weight. Good for you, Jonte. A lot of people gave you shit last year about your body fat and you being fat. Not so bad. Uh, let's work on those knees now. Let's work on those knees now. Uh, who else was there? There was one other guy. Oh, Jared Culver measured in as okay. we expected, six six and uh, six six and three quarters with shoes on, giving him that big guard mm-hmm. size. Love it because that was the big thing we were talking about. Is he like his college measurement was six five? Was, so him being six six and was it you that thought he was going to be smaller than the size? I was hoping he would be bigger. Yeah, but, we were all hoping bigger. Yeah, but. I can't remember who it I was. I made a joke if it would be funny if it okay. was smaller. Because I thought there was one of us, Sean or you, that was like, I think he's smaller than his size. Um, no. I couldn't remember. No, we all knew he was, was bigger. Listed. We all knew he was bigger than 6'5". <coughs> it was just mm-hmm. like, was he 6'7"? Yeah. And he did come in right, just a, just a hair below that. Mm-hmm. And then the final guy, because it's Sean, so Naz Reed... <laughs> Man, that guy is out of shape. The goat, man. Somehow, the goat, right? Somehow, compared to everyone else there, like he did oh. not look great. So unfortunate for Naz Reed. I think he wins the title for body fat. He does body fat percentage. He is the champ. Unfortunate for him. It's a bad thing to be the champ at. It is also. Uh, Talon Horton Tucker has the same hand size as you. <laughs> Just think about that. Has the same hand size as Naz, Naz Reed. Reed. Yup. Just, you know, one inch below Taco Fall. It's ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Does Naz Reed come back? No. No. I mean, that's one where it's like, hey, like we saw Jonte have the same thing where Jonte was kind of bigger. And yeah, was like, and Jonte hey. broke his freaking knees again. No, no, no. I know that. But I'm saying like, I'm not saying he <laughs> should, but I'm saying will Naz Reed take the same route as a Jonte where it's like, oh, I know I could be higher than this. I don't um, think so. And I so. kind of mess things up here um the last guy i'm gonna throw out there is gotta throw some nope not love, the right one i was love to other luca i was oh no i wasn't gonna say that luca um, samak yeah i was gonna go with roby out of nebraska oh yeah he actually Isaiah looked pretty roby. good um pretty got, bouncy gotta throw my uh first off gotta throw the uh love 
to the Big Ten and also ring ring Fred Hoiberg on the phone because now he's the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yeah. Um, but this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Who are some guys we didn't mention that were winners, losers? Your thoughts on the combine? Let us know in the comment section down below. And Dave, let's move on into our second topic. Before we do, though, make sure to go on Apple Podcasts and rate and review the Primetime Podcast. Every five-star rating helps us get into the ears of more people. So please go ahead, rate and review the Primetime Podcast. Because guess what? What? We're not a couple of good old boys like our first ever review said. Because, Dave, we're not even talking about the SEC. So I don't know how we could be a couple of good old boys. That is legit a review for the Primetime Podcast. That's a Brandon thing. Exactly. Me and Brandon would make fun of it at nauseum um, when he was on the show. But we're talking college basketball and NBA draft for this. Really NBA draft, but college basketball because they're college kids until they get drafted. Um, Damn right. And today we are taking a look at Darius Garland and Kobe White and really the whole point guard situation um, here at the top of the draft because at the Combine, first it was Darius Garland. Got a promise and said, well, deuces, I'm going to leave. I don't have to do anything. Um, I got a promise, so I'm going to be taken in the high lottery. Then right after, Kobe White did the same thing, said, oh, if he got a promise. I got one, too. Deuces, I'm going to leave as well. Um, so the thing we're going to start with first. Can you say deuces like one more time? Deuces. <laughs> okay. There we go. Sean, that, that, one, am, that I, one's for you. Dave, this one's even better. I'm Audi 5000. <laughs> But basically, <sighs> we're going to talk about who do you think gave the promises. Now, we'll start with Darius Garland because he got the first promise. Is it the Lakers? Did the Lakers give him the promise? Are we all correct that Clutch Sports going to play with LeBron and he will be a Laker? Will Sean be right? Will Sean be right? Thunder of that. The Dave, thunder. Who do you think gave feel the, the promise? Was it the Lakers? <laughs> I don't know, Ricky. Was it the Lakers? Well, well that's what everyone, was it the Lakers? That's what everyone thinks. It, it was the Lakers, probably. In all likelihood, it it's here. Three teams, mm-hmm. three teams at the top of this draft could use. Someone like Garland, and that would be the Lakers, the Suns, or the Bulls. Mm-hmm. The Lakers have the first pick out of that grouping, and like you said, the connection with Clutch Sports, LeBron James. It seems like it is inevitable at this point in time. And the interesting thing out of this is, you know, is he going to be the Lakers player, or is he going to be on the Pelicans, perhaps? Uh, either way, I'm intrigued because him going to Lakers means what happens to Lonzo Ball? You got an uh-huh. extra guy over there that the Bulls could poke at? <laughs> um, but, no, I think that his fit on the Lakers makes the most sense out of this. We looked at his upside coming into this year, and he is an incredibly gifted offensive player. Um, he's a, he's able to create shots for himself. He can catch it off the ball, take shots. He can catch off, or he can go off the dribble. Just a gifted shooter. And mm-hmm. the thing that we unfortunately didn't get to see throughout the season was how would he be able to work as a facilitator? His assist-to-turnover ratio in those few short games was negative, and that is definitely a uh, a red mark on his recruiting bill. But at the same time, I look at it and I go, look, man, you're here to make buckets. You can play more of a shooting guard type role at the NBA level, even though you're a point guard on this team. But playing off of LeBron, I would see that. I could see that happen fairly easily. He wants knockdown shooters. You could be that knockdown shooter on the outside helping him. I'll be honest. Like, I don't want it to be the Lakers because I... But it adds up. Well, and here's the thing where I feel like as... I'm thinking of this as a Bulls fan. I will be completely honest. Um, I feel like, yes, the Lakers were the ones to 
promised Darius Garland. And the reason why I think they were the ones to give that promise is because everything that you just talked about, and I know with Darius Garland was a small sample size, but I kind of have that feeling that can Darius Garland do the same things that Kyrie Irving did while LeBron was on Cleveland with him? Um, And when I look it up, Darius Garland in his five games this season shot 53% from the field, 47% from three, 75% from the foul line was what? Three rebounds, almost four rebounds to 16 points, two assists a game. Kyrie Irving, when he was in college, shot 52% from the field, similar, um, a 50, no, 46% from three, so around the same mark, except shot 90% from the foul line. Yeah, incredible. Kyrie was really good from the foul line, yep. and he averaged 17 points per game, averaged 3.4 rebounds, except his assists were a little bit higher. How many he attempts at three, three was he taking a game? He was taking about three and a half per game and hitting uh, just over one and a half, yeah. 1.6. And how many games did Kyrie play again? Kyrie played 11 games. Yeah. In college. Pretty comparable. 11 Pretty games, started comparable. eight of them. Um, was the number one pick, too. Yeah. Number one pick in that draft. So, like, that's part of it of, like, why I think the Lakers promised Darius Garland is because LeBron might see that or because, let's be honest, he's probably talking to Rob Palenka, talking to Jeannie Buss. Likely. And saying, hey, if we're not going to get Kyrie. Next best thing. This is the next best thing. And, like, if the Lakers did promised Darius Garland, that is, to me, clarifying and basically proving what Stephen A. Smith heard of basically like, hey, shut this shit down. Kyrie is not going to the Lakers. Yeah. Get the people to stop talking about it. If the Lakers promise Garland, then that, to me, is true. No, I, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It, it really does. So I feel I feel like I'm like 85% confident mm-hmm. that Darius Garland goes Lakers and that Sean Knew it just a split second before all of mm-hmm. us. Which, Nostradamus, Sean. Yeah, it just irks me a little. But <laughs> that, he, I'll allow that it. he was right on it? Yeah, I'll allow it. I'll what? Allow it. So does that mean, obviously, Kobe White, or Kobe White, half the time I say it correctly, I still think I'm putting that Colby? L in there. Kobe. Um, Kobe White. Yeah. Is it that a foregone conclusion that he's a son? It's hard to see the Suns passing up on him. The only thing that could happen is if the Bulls try to take a stab mm-hmm. above and trade up with the Cavaliers to get a shot at that pick, which I don't know if the value is worth it there. I don't, I'm not feeling to bunny hop them. Yeah. I don't think the bulls are like, I see, I've seen articles where people are like, yeah, these are like, these are the options that if the bulls trade up, this is what we get. I think the, the reason why I'm thinking the sun, like that Darius Garland is going to be a Laker. Kobe white is going to be a son. Yeah. Is because the more and more I'm seeing about the bulls when it comes to draft, is I'm seeing two things. I'm seeing who we can select at seven. Like Paxton, right after the lottery, was like, "Hey, we're gonna get we're gonna get our guy at seven, Which I kind of bought into because the last few drafts we haven't had the pick that we wanted to, yeah. but we've gotten good players at like last year. Wendell Carter, we got him at seven, exactly where we are yep. this year. So it's like if the Bulls scouting. If we scout well, we we've can done get a, a guy decent we job. Want. We're, we're, we're. I don't think we're it's the kind, worst in the it's league. It's kind of like but Gar Foreman is a pretty good scouter. He could be, um, could be okay. At it. I mean, 
all that time at John Morant's games is now useless because he can be on the Bulls. Um, way to win games, guys. Way to win games. Yeah, t- totally way to win games. We could have been the fifth seed. We could have been the fifth pick and been the Cavaliers who had the 14% I mean, if, chance. Just just think about it. It, it. The Grizzlies were, what, mm-hmm. one pick behind us, right? Yeah. that That's all it took. If we could have won like one more game, mm-hmm. a couple more games. Remember, because last year it no. was the Kings who swapped up and we lost the coin flip with the Kings. So that could have been the Bulls who were number two last year. No, I think the Grizzlies were t- two behind two us. Two behind us? Okay. Because I think it was us, Atlanta, Washington, and then Memphis. All right, fair enough. Because Memphis was on that verge oh, of almost right. losing the pick um, yeah, they to were eight. Boston. That's correct. They were at eight. Um, but yeah, no, remember we the Bulls. I'm sorry, there's many mm-hmm. Bulls fan, right? But we lost... Like we won the coin flip to get the position ahead yeah. of the Kings, in which point they won the lottery by going to number two because of yeah. that positioning. So that that just irks <laughs> me because that could have been a Luka Doncic like, in Chicago. Yes, we totally won the lottery and we lost the lottery. Yeah, we, uh, we but, won. But really, it didn't matter because this year in the lottery, it totally proved that the NBA is rigged and especially the lottery is rigged. So it didn't matter who won the coin toss; we still could have got the pick if yep. the NBA wanted us to. The thing that I sit here and I sit here yet again, like I'm saying, my red goggles are on. Um, Part of me almost is happy that Darius Garland and Kobe White are going to be Suns and Lakers. Why is that? The reason why is I don't think – like me personally haven't been – I was not sold on Darius Garland. I know it's mainly because of the small sample size and plus I don't think his game fits with Zach. Yeah. That's the big thing. Like – in L in LA, it can fit if they're moving on from Lonzo. Like if they're moving some of those pieces, it fits very nicely uh-huh. next to LeBron. Uh-huh. Um, maybe to get an Anthony Davis, uh-huh. um, which you can check out. We talked about that on the fast break. Shameless plug. Um, then Kobe White. I know there was numerous people that were like, Kobe White's our guy. The Bulls got to get him. I slotted him in at the mock draft when I wasn't even totally convinced on it. When we did the lottery mock right after the lottery was announced. And I'm kind of glad he's going to the Suns because I don't think he is a for sure fit Mm -hmm. when it comes to the basically I don't think he's a fit at the point guard for us being that combo guard. I think he could work a lot better in Phoenix with Devin Booker, if that makes any sense. Devin Booker is just a better version of Zach Levine. So, yeah, and that's why for, I, I'm I'm a I, I need some more something that, out of you, sir. For me, I feel like with the Bulls, and maybe this is just me being biased, is the two options I want to happen. Yeah, are either we trade for Lonzo Ball. Yep, or we sign a guy like Pat Bev, or we sign a guy like D Rose, and we go out and draft a. Three, a wing, basically a Cam Reddish, a Jarrett Culver, a DeAndre Hunter, whoever falls to us there. Yep. Because with Garland going at four, yeah, with Kobe White going at six, one of those wings, like Cleveland could only take one of them. Yeah. One of those, or two of those wings, really, are going to fall to us. It's likely they're going to go with Jarrett Culver, but <laughs> I wouldn't rule Cam Reddish out. Mm-hmm. So with the Bulls having the option of. Jarrett or Cam or would, even DeAndre Hunter. Which who would I you hope they don't. take as a Bulls fan? Oh, if I'm rooting for them to mm-hmm. take the worst player of that group? Or just the player that you want them to? Th- who's the player you want on the board for the Bulls? I'll just answer honestly. Mm-hmm. I've mocked Jarrett Culver there in the past going mm-hmm. to the Cavs. So 
uh, I would believe that the Bulls would have a chance at Cam Reddish. Okay. And that's I'm glad you brought that up because the tweet I was going to bring up, this was from just a random tweet I saw on my timeline um, at TMAC underscore no jumper. Yeah. Um, shameless plug for you. Um, he said, okay, if we get the seventh, if we keep the seventh pick and you got Kobe and Cam both available, I'm going with Cam, man. Kobe's not any more of an actual point guard than Zach is to me. Cam feels more risky than Kobe, but man, Cam can be some more special in the league. I ain't going to lie. This draft shit, though, um, where I quoted that and I said, I wouldn't be mad if they picked Cam over Kobe. Um, I have a feeling that some wing will fall to us after Garland and Kobe um, got combine promises um, from both the teams. I would like Cam Reddish only because, like, I'm not quite like I either want Cam Reddish or trade for Lonzo Ball. Um, but kind of moving away from Bulls because I feel like we're naturally the magnet is pulling us there. I'll ask you this because we haven't f- hit this um, on the nose yet. With Darius Garland, with Kobe White, whichever one you want to start with first. How do you think their fit is? What do you look at with their fit if Kobe White's a son and Darius Garland is a Laker? Garland's easy fit. Uh, He walks on that team and instantly becomes one of their better shooters on that team. Mm -hmm. Uh, They need to fill out that uh, generally, actually, four other positions around LeBron James Mm -hmm. to suit him, and they need guys who can catch and shoot. They need guys who can create for themselves if need be. And I believe Garland does both of those things. Defensively, mm-hmm. he's not bringing much to the table, but offense is what you're looking at here. And there's not another guy who I would, you know, bet against shot for shot in this draft class, probably. Darius Garland just got the ability to create instant offense. So I would lean, you know, I, I know Carson Edwards, whatever. I'm mm-hmm. different class of, yeah, completely different class. So exactly. I, I just look at that and I go, all right, he walks on to that Lakers team. And whether he is starting, whether he is a guy coming off the bench, He's going to be able to work his way into that Mm -hmm. rotation pretty quickly because a lot of their young talent right now, I mean, you look at Josh Hart when he shot uncharacteristically high from three and then he came back to earth. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there was an injury in there as well, but like he is not an excellent three-point shooter. Uh, Cal Kuzma, not an excellent three-point shooter. He took volume, but that doesn't make him good. Brandon Ingram, not an excellent three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. Lonzo Ball was their only guy, and he's not even a a good... He just has a janky shot. But he's still not, percentage-wise, a good three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. So they just... All of their young talent aren't great shooters. So Mm -hmm. you go in, and you just get one of the best shooters in this draft, especially from distance. I think it's... That is is ideal fit right there for them, assuming he stays on that Lakers team. And I just... For me, the only thing to me that affects the Garland fit is whether or not they can trade for Anthony Davis because for me, the thing is the first question that I was going to kind of retort at you and I'll answer it myself is basically the, all right, Garland comes in. Is he automatically the starter? Which I would say, yes. Like Lonzo, maybe at the beginning, Lonzo is Lonzo healthy, but well in that too. But I think towards the end, Garland, okay, I am now the starter. And then I was like, well, can you have Lonzo? be the backup point guard. I don't think you can. I think that not the not necessarily the ego with Lonzo, but maybe a little bit of the ego with Lonzo. Um he wants to be a starter. There's no way LeVar Ball is going to let Lonzo ride the pine um behind a newly drafted rookie to where he'll just start shit to start shit. 
um, and basically kind of try them both together. Exactly. Um, but I mean, there's part of me too that's like, can Lonzo come off the bench, run the second unit, and have Garland out there? And you can also play them together um, if you want to. Yeah. I wouldn't. Why not? Um, because to Lonzo me, I can feel... cover up defensively for him, and he's a he's one of the best facilitators. True. He's a great defender. Good point. Like no. Lonzo, I absolutely corrected. is. I stand corrected. <laughs> for me, I'm mainly think mainly I was on the track of like the running. Because then your starting lineup, your starting lineup mm-hmm. is what Lonzo Garland. LeBron. Well, I'd say Brandon Ingram, LeBron. Okay. And then insert center here, or you run LeBron as your big and you mm-hmm. squeeze Kuz in there. Mm-hmm. I like Kuz in the second unit, though. I think he provides great scoring and uh, ability to keep that unit going. But you could swatch, you can switch out BI for mm-hmm. him. I mean, it's just, it's all about balance of shooting out there. And because BI's outside shot mm-hmm. is rare, um, not, not horrible, just rare that he will take threes. I, I, that that's one down. Mm-hmm. Lonzo will at least take. He'll shoot the threes, whether they yeah. go in or not. Not his problem. <laughs> Darius Garland will shoot threes. The, the Lakers problem, and the Lakers, depending on who they land at the five, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I think that that's a fine lineup because you have great defense with Lonzo, Bi, and LeBron James out there, and you have great shooting with Lon. Or you have at least three point shooters, mm-hmm. willing guys out there to match as well. So. I don't think it's an instant controversy. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I think that they need to move Lonzo? No. Do I think that if they want to go for the Anthony Davis all-in trade, then yes. Yeah. Yeah. What about Kobe White? Why? I'll ask you this question. Why do you think the Suns promised Kobe White? Is it just because the biggest need is point guard? Is it mainly that of like, hey, we thought we were going to be in prime position to get a John Morant. We're not. Oh, shit. We're not even in the... Prime position now to get the second point guard off the board. Yeah. No, it's desperation. I mean, you can come out and say we like the guy more than anybody else. I don't give a shit what it is. It's mm-hmm. desperation. Yeah. You need a point guard more than anybody else. And guess what? The the odds weren't in your favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, you, you did not get the number two pick. You do not get John Rent. You do mm-hmm. not get to pass go. Like, that's just what it is, Suns fans. <laughs> Thank you, Ace Ventura. Yeah. <laughs> it was on TV this weekend. Nice. Both of them. Nice. Right before Game of Thrones. Oh, that's how you want to lead into Game of Thrones. That's that's quality. Um <laughs> regardless oh Suns fans it, it's not like it it's not like he's a bad player mm-hmm. Kobe White is got okay size um he's mm-hmm. large just doesn't have a great wingspan um I I think that his shot is going to be interesting at the NBA level I think as a facilitator I'm not sure how much he can help carry that load with Devin Booker I think Booker progressed so much better than I expected him to last year um, as a facilitator, but also I think having Kobe White there will help draw attention off of him so that way he doesn't have the super solid focus and he can have some of those catch-and-shoot opportunities mm-hmm. like he had in the past where he shoots a much better percentage than he does coming off the dribble and trying to facilitate or trying to create for himself all the time. It's just a matter of percentages at that point. So Kobe White, I think he's a decent combo guard. I don't know that he is uh, a good enough defender to kind of balance out Devin Booker, Mm -hmm. but he's at least good enough to make it interesting, and he is the best available prospect at that position for them to take right now. The only other thing I could say is they, if they pass on this and they go in for, you know, another, a a talented wing, uh, they go for a four Mm -hmm. in the mix um, and they go real hard in pregnancy. 
there are guys in free agency. We talked about Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. I think Pat, uh, Bev. Pat Bev would be amazing for them. Mm-hmm. Darren Collinson, uh, another veteran. You can go get some veterans. You could trade for uh, Conley. You have the you have the amount mm-hmm. of talent and picks in the future to do that if you want to do that. I think you could do a lot of those things. And maybe if you're not in love Hell, with you Kobe could trade White, for Alonzo Ball if you want to. You, like, yeah. why, just because the Bulls are in that discussion, why shouldn't the Suns? Maybe the also Bulls be? are the ones who promise Kobe White. May- I'll ask you that. Is that true? Like, do you think that's true of like, yes, we're thinking it's the Lakers or Suns. Well, is it that the Bulls are really the team that's like, hey, we're going to promise you that. And Kobe White's like, fine, because if it's not you, I'm getting taken the team before you. So exactly. I'm going six or seven. Bye. Doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chance. There absolutely is a chance. I, I don't know that I, you mentioned you don't like him with his fit next to Zach Levine mm-hmm. in that offense. And I say, what, you know, what's the difference? Devin Booker's just a better version of Zach Levine. Uh, yeah, le- less I, athletic, but better shooter. I just feel like for me, the the guys I am ranking, I the Suns might be in the same boat as this. Um, the guy I want next to Zach is more of that. Like I want a defensive point guard. If Chris Dunn could that, shoot threes, basically, yes. Thank you. Like Lonzo Ball can do that. Can shoot threes better than Chris Dunn and can play defense. Pat, Bev, can he? I think so. Percentage wise, has he? I think. Working with working with the man Jim Boylan, <laughs> Jim Boylan gonna get those threes out of him because uh, Luke Walton couldn't. Um, Luke Walton didn't know how to uh, teach the three man. I mean Steph Curry didn't have to do anything. Steph Curry just knew how to shoot him. I'm joking, obviously. Lonzo Ball shot thirty two point nine percent from three last year. Just, what about Chris Dunn? Just uh, I have one second. Okay, uh, on uh, five. Wait, yep, five attempts a game okay. and his. Rookie year, you said thirty-two percent. His rookie year, he shot thirty percent. Okay, so that, so that three-point threat, you know, mm-hmm. uh, out there, not quite convinced. Chris Dunn shot. Come on, basketball reference: thirty-five point four percent from three on two point one attempts. Less volume, mm-hmm. much better percentage. Ricky, what is that? Is this just perception fucking with you here right now? Yeah, because remember, Lonzo Ball in college could shoot threes. Yeah, forty-one. 41% in college on five and a half attempts. Yeah, but um, look at Chris Dunn in college. Chris Dunn in college. Playing for Providence. As an older player, too. Because um, Lonzo was a one and Shot general. 35.4. Okay. so uh, Chris, his, his senior year, he shot 37, though. Chris Dunn, though, is kind of like, he's still in the 30s, where Lonzo, it's the big thing of like, how are you shooting 41? And I get it, like, the defense is better in the NBA. By a lot. Um, I still think with Lonzo, the thing is just fix the shot. Fix the shot and it'll go up because I think that's the main thing. And I know it's easier said than done. Yeah. I get that. Um, yeah, fix broken. I mean, like basically, I you're break- afraid you, you're afraid that if you try to play with it too much, you will break mm-hmm. your shot worse. Exactly. That, I mean, I, th- I honestly think that's the like, it's, you know, I know it's not pretty. It goes mm-hmm. in sometimes. If he has confidence there, maybe it'll get better. I, I just, would be afraid of a full-on retool by the shot doc, Drew mm-hmm. Hanlon. The guy that I – and this is another reason why I'm not concerned if, let's say, the Suns – and really, like, the Suns could be in the same boat yeah. – is why, especially for the Bulls, I may take one of those wings at seven and not look at point guard. Like, if it's a DeAndre Hunter, if it's a Cam Reddish, like, take yeah. one of those guys because yeah. – at our pick at 38, even with the Suns, with the 32nd um, pick, you're not getting, you might not get a starting point guard, but you can get a guy that maybe you develop into 
Well, they, they do have guard. two guards they've taken last year mm-hmm. in Elio Cabo and DeAnthony Melton. No, Melton, you were obviously. really high on Melton. I was high on both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, college player who didn't get to play in college too mm-hmm. much because of the NCAA. Thanks I think so it's a uh, Is it a USC? It's a issue? USC thing. It might be a USC thing. <laughs> I mean, uh, Kevin Porter, same good thing. Good defense. No, Kevin Porter well, there was fucked more up himself. Thing. Yeah, more He's an idiot. Team rules yeah. with Kevin Porter. So, DeAnthony Melton, uh, good defensive player. Uh, definitely showed on the court on the on-off numbers when he and mm-hmm. Kelly Oubre were out there together. That team was actually respectable to some respect to some percentage. They were actually respectable on defense, and the numbers showed pretty clearly their impact. So I like him as a defender. Eliokabo, good shooter. I think the kid needs some confidence. He's just young. He needs time to adjust mm-hmm. and continue playing in the U.S. So I'm I'm not terrified if those are my two guys, but you got to look at the timeline and you're going. Devin Booker's on this contract. Now we got to make shit actually happen. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they go and, and try to swindle, you know, a Pat Bev over to their team. Because he's he's like the gold standard, I think, yeah. for a team like the Suns right now. Do you think that it's a foregone... Do you think foregone conclusion Pat Bev is not going to be in L.A. with the Clippers next year? No, I think Pat Bev... What reason does he have to leave? I mean, okay. he, is, he is getting the limelight. He is going to mm-hmm. be playing on a team with potentially Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Like... The talent wants to come to you. Mm-hmm. You're already on a team that took the fucking Warriors. So you're saying he shouldn't deep. leave for a Bulls or a Suns I would, that might throw him more money. I would not, um, but I'm not Pat Bev, mm-hmm. you know? I, I would stay and I'm play asking, with that team. I mean, asking if you were, and you they've got a it, unique. You they've got a unique crew mm-hmm. on that team with Lou Will taking the, the lower-than-expected yeah. contract. Trez taking, mm-hmm. you know, that 8 mil a year deal looking like a steal right now. I, I think that their team has got depth and they've got enough fluidity of uh, mm-hmm. free agents, guys under temp contracts, and draft picks, and guys who want to be in LA. Like it's the place to be. It's the right situation for them. So if he wants to cash out, this is likely his last big payday. Mm-hmm. Fine, I'm not going to blame him ever for that. But if you want to try to win a championship, I'm I'm looking to stay. Mm-hmm. And like I'm looking at the Suns right now. You say timeline. It's Devin Booker's under contract, obviously the longest. Um, TJ, what's Moore, his value though? Like, doesn't it go? It goes so he's three point three million this year. Yeah, twenty seven point two next year. Yeah, um, and then it's twenty seven, twenty nine, thirty one, thirty three. Exactly. Um, over those four Which years, here in the dollars. Yeah, yeah. And then TJ Warren, he's up. He signed in his twenty twenty two. But like the other guys, like. Josh Jackson, 2021. Mikhail Bridges, obviously, 2022 is when they become RFAs. But, like, De'Anthony Melton, after next year, he's an RFA. So it's like Second round time. It's yep. the decision of at that point of, like, obviously, I, he's not going to be, like, a Terry Rozier kind of guy where it's like, hey, I'm going to throw money at De'Anthony Melton so that the Suns have to pay up. Because if you did that, the no, Suns would say, all right, you're stuck with them. Yeah, um, he's not good enough. He hasn't warranted that yet, I should say. And then Eli Okobo is up. Obviously, 2022 is the big year. Well, that's, um, that's sort of several years from now. So, yes, contracts line up. Like in that one, they've got Bridges, Warren, Okobo, Ayton. Yep. All of those contracts are up that year. Um, that's because they drafted them all in the same year. Exactly. Is that is that a mystery? Ooh, I'm sorry. Did you, mystery. did you stumble on something um, there, Ricky? No, I'm just saying, like, that's the, <laughs> like, that's the thing with the Suns. It kind of goes back, I was thinking what you said in our disappointing yeah. um, teams that we talked about with Jake, where you were one of the ones, I'll say, to have the balls to say, no, the Suns had a disappointing season because yep. of how bad they were. And I, I kind of, like, 
I'm on the fence with is Kobe because Darius Garland. I even have the same question about um, like when you were talking about Darius Garland. Do either of these guys, Garland on the Lakers, as is without Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. so Garland on the Lakers, Kobe White on the Suns, do they make these teams drastically different? Like for the Lakers, does it make them a playoff team? Does it make them a team that fights for the playoff? Because I mean, yeah. like Magic Johnson said today on first take, in and out of all his, hey, I got to clear my brand thing. Yeah. He did mention how, because. They asked him about the whole trade thing mm-hmm. and like what that relationship was like with Lonzo, B.I., and Kuz. And he said that he went to them and said, hey, sometimes like you got to understand in Put your, your big career, boy pants on. basically, like he said, in your career, when you're good, yep. you might be thrown around in trade discussions. Like, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. Just play your game. Don't take it personal. Right. And then he immediately said they took it personal. And it's like, that's what happened. And he goes, but there was, he's like, there was a stretch. Like when they played, he's like, they were like three games behind Golden State and Mm -hmm. they recently played Golden State. He goes, we were playing really good basketball. B.I. was playing amazing. And it's like, part of me feels like if the Lakers could get that consistently and add in a Darius Garland, hell yeah, they could be a playoff team with LeBron. No, absolutely. But can they get that consistency from their young guys with Darius Garland? And a healthy LeBron. And then with Kobe White, it's like, I'm not sure that just adding Kobe White to the Suns team makes them drastically better than they are right now. Because, I mean, we added D, we added Aiton last year, and we thought Aiton would add them wins. And yet again, they're right back to being the last place team in the West. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Darius Garland makes a bigger difference for L.A. than Kobe White would for the Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost has me scratch my head going, okay, like, Maybe maybe I'm missing out on something with Kobe. Maybe I need to go mm-hmm. back and rewatch tape of him at UNC, but I, I don't know that he's he moves the needle for me. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that he does that, and especially on that, I the biggest thing with the Suns might just be the coaching. Mm-hmm. Like the talent might be there well, already. I mean, now it's they just got you don't. Monty Williams coming in. Yeah, and I I thought that Igor. I thought Igor wasn't a bad coach. I still don't know. <laughs> Did you call a, for him to get fired? I don't know what I've said this fast. I've said a lot of things, Ricky. I'm I'm not the one on this trial here. This whole damn court's out of order. Order in the court. This whole damn court's out of order. Um, I thought Eero was a decent coach. I I don't know if I still stand mm-hmm. there after watching the season. Maybe it's just the dysfunction of the front office. But the product they put out on the court did not make me believe that he was capable of coaching team, but at the same time, they didn't give him a NBA-level point guard to play with hey, in you, a system where he works with point guards. I'm going to do a little role-playing here. Igor to uh, James Jones. Hey, man, it would be really cool if you drafted this Luka guy. I really like him, and he'd fit our offense. All right, I'll take that into consideration, coach. Yeah. And that's basically, like, all. It's like, we're going to go with DeAndre Ayton. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you missed out. He doesn't fit the like. Not that he doesn't fit, but it's like Luca oh. would have fit so much better. Can and you Luka imagine Luca been... playing exactly. with Dev, playing the... with TJ Warren, playing with? I will. I will say this. Yep. If Luca would have went to the Suns and not DeAndre Ayton, what we saw from the Mavs this year would have been the Suns. Like flipping. I think the Suns would have been a, not a playoff team, but they would have been in that like, you know. That that uh, mm-hmm. probably probably nine ten eleven range that was all pretty tight in the West. 
They wouldn't have been last in the West. Let's put it that way. They but, would not have been last in the see. West. Let's see. So the Mavericks finished just above the Suns at 33 and 49. After and abandoning their four out of their five exactly. starters throughout the season. New Orleans and Memphis also finished 33 and 49, um, with Minnesota being 36 and 46. So it was all close within, within like the Lakers to the Mavericks, which were five teams. The Suns would have been in that race and Easily. not sitting... 19 and 63. Easily. If they would have went Luca over DeAndre Ayton. And I know that, like, our boy Z. It's not he, what Suns fans came he, to hear today, he though. He likes DeAndre Ayton because, I mean, the Arizona connection. Loki, he's not bad. Yeah. But, it, like, he's also not a game changer mm-hmm. because he doesn't have the ball in his hands often enough, which exactly. is potentially a problem with the coaching. But, uh, point being, ball handlers matter mm-hmm. in the NBA. Well, it kind of goes yourself to in. a comment we got on our Sixer video yep. of someone said, if you're going to trade either Ben or Joe, you're going to trade Joe because Ben's got the ball in his hands. Uh, Joe, he's also got the best availability. Well, exactly. But, I mean, with the big, usually it's the big loses out to the ball handler on the outside. But the thing I will ask you to kind of end this yeah. is you first, then me. Give your prediction of how what's going to happen with the Lakers, Suns, and Bulls at the draft. What's going to happen? Or are the Bulls going to trade it, and who do they trade for? I'm going to go with the Lakers are indeed taking Darius Garland. Where there's smoke, there's fire there. Uh, I think the Cavs will go Jarrett Culver. I think then the Suns are left in the amazing position to take Kobe White. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bulls uh, might be kicking themselves, but at the same time, I think uh, they. I don't think they trade for Lonzo Ball for the seventh pick. I don't know if that value is there. Uh, but I think they end up with a with a wing maybe in Cam Riders, mm-hmm. who, you know, a couple years down the line, might not be one of the worst prospects in this draft class. Dave's like, if he's a bull, I'm hoping he's not we'll the see. worst in this uh, draft class. I'm going to go similar to you. And the thing I've got, i got to look up a fact before I make it's my Cavs pick. But I will say, same with you, Lakers and Garland, Clutch yeah, it Sports. Just... It's like it. we could either all be wrong or either all be right. Well, um, the problem is this is not a uh, tight-lipped organization, mm-hmm. and once you hear something come out of them, even if it was just a supposedly this is thing, Wait. that's probably what's actually happening. Because so far, mm-hmm. everything under this organization for the last two years has been that. Which I'm going to low-key say this right now, because um, I know on the I feel on the fast break we're not going to have a Laker discussion about it, um, because I don't I don't feel Sean is going to want to talk about the Magic Johnson comments probably not um, this week. But I will say this, after hearing Magic Johnson's comments, it kind of sounds like uh, everything that I kind of was saying after Magic Johnson left of, like, the organization's biggest problem is Jeannie Buss. Because, like, kind of what he was saying, where he walked in, the whole Luke Walton thing was interesting, where he said, I wanted to fire Luke Walton. At the beginning, when he got the job, Jeannie Buss said, whatever you want to do, you have the power to do it. And he goes... I walked in, said, I want to fire Luke, nothing against Luke, but this is what, like, I feel like it's best for the team. Jeannie goes, sure, we'll work on that. Then the next day, brought somebody else from the front office in. You know what, we we don't feel like we should do that because we really like Luke and we should give him a chance. And he's kind of like, so it it was okay, then it was not okay, then it was okay again. Like, too many people in the ears. And that's where I was kind of like... Yes, Make Jeannie Buss is the problem at the Lakers organization right now. But what I will say is Garland, four to the Lakers. 
I'm going to agree with you. Cavs take Culver because John Beeline knows what Jared Culver can do after losing to Texas Tech in the tournament this past year. Nice toss Um the John Beeline signing I, for the Cavs. I really wanted to. I thought they played each other in the tournament. Um, so that's a connection I'm going to use for um, Jarrett Culver so that Cam falls to us. Um, then Kobe White goes to the Suns. And then the Bulls, I'm not sure. We either I go. Think we give we either Chris go, Dunn another year and free agency. If we, take, if we take the pick, we'll go Cam Reddish. But I'm not complete. Like, I wouldn't you think, be surprised. You think the Lonzo Ball thing's on the table? I would not be surprised if tomorrow. The Bulls have traded the number seven pick to the Lakers for Lonzo Ball so that the Lakers could increase their package to have four and seven s- so they could send it to Anthony Davis uh, or to, for Anthony Davis. <laughs> Here, Anthony, you get it's all the It's a tribute. <laughs> We're going to give it a tribute to you. Um, but that's what I'll say. Garland, Culver, White, and then the Bulls either get Ball or Cam Reddish. But this is where you guys come in. What do you think about the promises? Obviously, we don't know which teams. I wish we did because it would make it a lot easier um, to we talk about the Bulls promised go. both guys. The Bulls were like, we promise you and you, one of you might fall to us. Exactly. I mean, honestly, they probably could have done that. Been mm-hmm. like, look, if there's a hey, chance that you land at eight. last year. If there's a chance that you land at eight, we're going to take mm-hmm. you. And they said the same thing to both guys. And the both guys are like, dope. Like, there's, there's your guarantee. Because you're going to either the Suns or the Bulls. It's fucking like oh my god, sixty they, chess. They did it before either prospect talked to the Suns or Lakers, so they left before talking to those teams. Genius. What kind of mind games would that be? That's from the, the Bulls? Garpax front office right there doing work. You know what? We I, believe. I want to believe. I want to believe you that they're that smart, but I just I can't. Um, but this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below. But Dave, let's head into our last topic. And first off, if you are. Not a patron of Most Valid Podcast. First off, what are you guys doing? Um, Patreon.com backslash Most Valid Podcast is how you help support the channel. And the reason why I'm bringing it up again is because we are blessed to have one of our loyal patrons, Pat, calling in today. Wanted to talk about some college football. Pat, how you doing on this beautiful Monday evening that we're recording the podcast on? I'm pretty good. Uh, thanks for having me on again. And I think we're talking about basketball. Not yeah, football, I was so confused. Did I say football? You said college I football. Said football. I meant basketball. See, that's the usual Ricky thing of like the brain is thinking one thing and the mouth goes, nah, dude, I'm going to do my own thing. I was so confused. Like, I'm just looking across and like, what? Dave, Pat, you can't see it, but Dave shot me a look and like I'm giving him the smile. Like, yeah, he's like, I nailed intro. that intro. <laughs> Dave's like, what are you doing? But yes, we're talking, we're talking college basketball and what we are talking about is shaka smart and kind of the way that i phrase this for the topic on youtube is i believe i'm gonna pull up my text messages because i sent it to dave we're very professional on this yeah we have it together we're prepped usually it's an email but today i texted it and it's should texas move on from shaka smart so pat i'm gonna kick it to you and basically you're gonna kind of start us off of where we're gonna go with what you want to talk about with Shaka, because overall, I'll be honest, looking at the records, Shaka has not been too impressive since he's come over to Texas in 2015. Yeah, absolutely. So when I think about Shaka Smart throughout his whole time at Texas, and when I when you look at this year and kind of assessing, when talking to my friend who went to Texas and kind of assessing, like, what do they think of Shaka? It's surprising that 
there's not as much um, like urgency or rumors going around that this might be his last year at Texas or that he's on the hot seat, which doesn't make sense considering what he's done. He is 71 and 66, I believe, at Texas, which when he was originally hired there, they had such high expectations for Shaka. They were thinking, we got Final Fours, we're going to win some Big 12 conferences, we got, we're going to be a major player in college basketball again. But since he's been there, they don't. They have not won a conference championship. They have not won a tournament. They have, he's only been to the actual tournament twice, and he hasn't gotten the past the first round out of either of his tournament appearances. So basically, his expectations for what he is, what he's brought in to do, and what he's actually done, and the fact that they, there doesn't seem to be this urgency around it being him being on the hot seat or maybe at Texas looking for a new head coach is really strange to me, considering what he was brought in to do and what he hasn't done as Texas's head basketball coach. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing I was kind of thinking of coming into this, is I know that this past year, 21-16 and 16 overall, and they went to the NIT, which is the loser's bracket, mm-hmm. um, and they won the loser's bracket, which is good for them. Right. Um, but really, the NIT is basically, a, oh, you didn't get into the tournament? Here, play in this tournament. Um where I just remember like guys like Ben Simmons like, nah, I'm good, bro. But you don't want your participation trophy? (laughs) Basically. (laughs) um, Like, they beat the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State in the NIT championship, um, which was good for South Dakota State. But Texas, like Pat was saying, should have higher aspirations. And the thing that I look at as the big thing is if you look at his two base – basic tenures of VCU and Texas at VCU Mm -hmm. they completely owned the conference 11 and 7 12 and 6 15 and 3 12 and 4 12 and 4 12 and 6 and that second three was first they were in the CAA the uh, the Colonial Athletic um, Association then in 2012 they moved to the A10 um, because the conferences kind of shook up and they still went to a new conference and 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 12 and 6. So it's not like they were chopped liver in the smaller non power five conferences. But at Texas, it was 11 and 7, then 4 and 14 in that dismal 11 and 22 year. And then the past two years have been 8 and 10. So for me, I kind of feel like that's a big thing is like what you said, Pat, of. First off, not competing in the Big 12. Like, he's finished, the highest he's finished was his first year without his recruits. They finished fourth. Other than that, he's been sixth at the highest, tenth at the lowest. And they haven't made it out of the first round in either of his two appearances. Is that the big reason that should create a shadow, even though they did go 21 and 16 this past year? Yeah, I, I got to agree because especially considering the roster that Texas has had and being not being able to utilize that roster and coach and coach them in a way that helps them win in the Big 12, especially because recruiting-wise hasn't been an issue for Shaka Smart. The past two years, he's turned in top 15 recruiting classes. He's recruited guys like Jared Allen and Mo Bamba and Jackson Hayes this past year. Mm-hmm. So the talent is not the issue. You can argue that there's been some issues where, like, He's recruited big guys, but he hasn't put enough shooters around them for to be effective, which you can argue is valid. But a guy like Shaka Smart and the coach who is really penned for being for having that creative 
way to kind of how he was successful at BCU by using that havoc defense. And the fact that he hasn't been able to use that talent efficiently at Texas is really strange. And it's really, and especially this past year, when you look at Texas Tech and Chris Beard's job that they've done there and how they were able to catapult to the uh, national championship game, winning the Big 12 conference for the first time in years, and Texas is over there looking like that's what we're, that's where we should be. Like, this is why we paid Shaka Smart all that money. And the fact mm-hmm. that they're not, and the fact that another school in Texas is kind of reaching that level that they thought they would be, is, must be kind of infuriating to them. Especially, even if they're not a traditional basketball school, that's got to hurt in another way that another school in your state kind of got what you should what you had wanted to reach all those years ago. What's kind of going through your head, Dave? Because, like, even when we were before we went on the air, the big thing you mentioned is kind of like what Pat just mentioned. They've had guys who Mo Bamba, Jackson Hayes. It's this University year. of Center. Like Basically. I get it. You're 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 there to prep centers for the NBA, mm-hmm. but I think you kind of hit on it, Pat, when you talked about like where's your where's your offense role around that center? You have such a big key piece to your team by locking down one of the most talented centers in the last couple mm-hmm. of drafts in a row now, especially defensively, just lock down stalwart centers. And not being able to put out the team on the court that's able to hit down hit shots or at least keep the ball moving around them because there's always been questions about utilization on the outside for the guards. And, like, Kerwin Roach was awesome, but at the same time, like, he's a limited player. And there was, I felt like he was almost playing it safe. Uh, Shaka was almost playing mm. it safe at times, sticking to some of the more senior guys and, and not letting the kids run with it as much as they could have, perhaps. Um, so, you know, you talked about the creativity that we saw out of him in, past, in his past coaching role. I, I don't know if, you know, where he was this year, because I agree. I think he's starting to hit that wall of like, mm-hmm. all right, man, this is year two, year three. Year like, where is the success going to come? Because if you're not hitting it now with these guys, like, you're turning over basically an entire recruiting uh, like generation almost, and you have yet to produce at, at the level we hope out of you. Here's the thing I'm kind of thinking is, first off, when you <coughs> – when you mentioned centers, yep. the thing that makes me chuckle is out of the three commits that they have for 2019, two of them are centers. And yeah. I know you lost Jackson Hayes, so you got to replace them. Um, but I just chuckle to where it's like, well, we're going to see the next big man at Texas kind of own. Because um, like Patty even mentioned, Jared Allen, Mo Bamba, um, Jackson Hayes. Yeah. The question I want to shoot your way, Pat, has to do with Shaka Smart in the tournament. If we look at VCU, he went to the tournament five of his six years. The first year was the kind of media darling story of they went to the Final Four, and I wanted to pull up really quick who they beat in that. So in that run, they were the 11th seed, upset Georgetown, upset number three Purdue. Sorry, Matt. Um, they upset number 10 Florida State in overtime and then beat number one Kansas before losing in the final four. Then he goes to the second round twice in a row in 2012, the year that Kentucky won. Um, and then Atlanta, I believe that was the year um, that Michigan lost to Louisville in the national title. And then other than that, he hasn't made it out of the first round either at VCU and Texas. And at Texas, I look, 2016, they lost in a heartbreaking game to Northern Iowa where it was 75-72, to and we were all watching that game thinking, oh, my God, is Northern Iowa going to do it again? (laughs) Um, Because 
it was just shades of what they did earlier um, to Kansas many years ago. And then Northern Iowa almost beat Texas A&M the second game, um, which went to <laughs> double overtime. That one, I believe, had the – it was the play on, like, the baseline that was, like, out of bounds. I believe it was out of bounds on Northern Iowa and flipped the when game. When Texas A&M scored, like, 13 points in, like, the final minute. Yes, yeah. and that's what yeah, I remember that. propelled them to the victory. And then last year's tournament in 2018, they were a 10 seed. They go into overtime with Nevada, bless you, Dave, and they lose to the Martin Twins. The Martin Twins beat (laughs) them. I mean, I get they were the higher seed, but it's like you lose to two low. It's not like you lost to power five teams in the tournament. You lost to teams that I'm going to say you should have beat because I picked Texas to beat Nevada. And I know Nevada went on to go to the Sweet 16. They lost to our underdogs here in Chicago, um, the Loyola, uh, what even is their mascot? I don't even know at this point. The Ramblers, that's it. Um, the Loyola <laughs> of Chicago Ramblers. But, Pat, is that the problem? That is Shaka Smart a guy, except for that one year that went to the Final Four, is he a coach that maybe we expected too much out of, especially in tournament play? So I actually looked this question up today, and I there was one article that kind of spoke to me a little bit about how Shaka Smart has had to change his coaching as he's gotten to Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, when he brought when he went, left VCU for Texas, he immediately said that he was not going to bring his havoc defense that was so successful for him in the tournament over to Texas because his original reason was, well, I have the talented players now, like I don't really need that that kind of defense anymore. Mm-hmm. But another thing was that. If he wanted to get top recruits to and like these top centers to come to Texas, he had to tell them, like, I'm not doing that kind of style anymore because these guys don't want to play that kind of style because that's not going to help them get to the NBA. Yeah. So I feel like he's kind of been like a victim of like these very high like circumstances at like a big power five university like Texas, which produces a lot of NBA talent where they're kind of like, well, if you want the big talent, we kind of have to play this way. Mm hmm. And you kind of have to readjust to that. And I thought that Shaka Smart would more adjust to that than what we've kind of seen in these past four years. Like, I, I, th- I think after my first two years, I could kind of understand that because, like, you're adjusting to Texas, adjusting to the Big 12 play. That's understandable. But mm-hmm. the fact that he kind of hasn't figured out a way to, like, coach around that and with that is kind of a little concerning at this point. Especially that's why I think that his job on urgency should be a little more heated up than what I think it is right now, considering that that he's had all this time and he hasn't been able to do that. Yeah. And that's why I'll throw this at you, Dave. This just hit me while Pat was talking. It kind of reminds me of like, you're not, Shaka needs to understand because like part of me is like, well, why wouldn't you bring it? Because like that made you so successful. Yeah. He's got to understand. You're not coach K. You're not uh, um, coach Calipari at Kansas. You're not the guy that, and I'm not trying to like talk him down, but he's not Coach K. Where Zion, RJ, and Cam go to Duke because they want to play for Coach K. Coach K is on a whole different level. Yeah. To where maybe you got to bite the bullet and say, hey, you know what? If I lose a guy like Mo Bamba who doesn't want to play that, whatever. I will find a guy who can play my defense and give us success because the bottom line has to be 
winning games, no matter who's out there. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting balance because as a college coach, I'd imagine you want to do what's best for the kids on your team to Mm -hmm. succeed. And, you know, whether that means winning in college or winning by going to the NBA and being drafted Mm -hmm. highly, like you have to balance that. And like you said, if you're bringing in incredibly talented young players like Mo Bamba and Jackson Hayes Mm -hmm. and Jared Allen, you've got to be concerned about that because that's that's their goal. Yeah. But for guys who are maybe a little bit further down in that mm-hmm. recruiting class, national championship is their goal. You know, yeah. everybody might have their own eyes set differently. So you have to balance that. And I think you kind of hit that on the head is like, can you achieve them both in the same thing? If you're a truly special mm-hmm. coach like Coach K, yes, that that's possible. But when you're working, you know, talented, but not the very upper echelon mm-hmm. of just uber loaded draft classes, um, I just, I, I wonder... I wonder if he's compromising himself too much in that situation to try to play Kate around the top uh, ranked players coming out of that class. Like a perfect example of what you just said is Dylan Ostarowski, where he's a guy senior this year. We haven't talked about him in the draft. We haven't even put it like I haven't even seen him in the second round for anything because he's, he's the type of guy where it's like, this is my jam. Like college is my kind of time to shine and there might not be an NBA for Mm -hmm. some of these players to where I kind of sit back and I go, cause coach K and I've used K and Calipari. Yeah. And those are the two I stick by because like Bill self has kind of, I'm going to say fallen off a little bit at Kansas. Kansas ain't what it used to be. What about Roy? Um, Roy, (laughs) like even UNC, like, They've had success, but he plays like, a system, and you don't go to the NBA. Basically, well. <laughs> um, but like even with UNC, like I don't think of them as a powerhouse nationally that I once did in the tournament. Where okay. they've had good years, like yeah. the year they went up Same against uh, Villanova in the national championship, and then look at the next year. It's not like well, they're a consistent Final Four Fair team, enough. like they used to be when it was um, when like Tyler Hansbro was on that psycho team. team? Um, <laughs> but I just the thing I go back to is he's got to understand I'm not Coach K. I'm not like Calipari is the big one because Calipari has done exactly what you said. Where yeah. it's basically I'll get you to the NBA. I care about you and what you want to do. So all these top recruits that want to go to the NBA are like, dude, I'll play for Kentucky because I know this guy has my back and he's going to get me to where I want to go. Shaka Smart, I don't think has like Shaka could veer into that yeah but me as a recruit if shaka sat there and was like i'm gonna get you the nba and i'm gonna help you i'd look at him and go how unless i'm seven feet tall how like exactly like how you're you're at vcu now you're at texas where at least coach cal i know he has connections in the nba he knows what it's like to be in the nba to where it's like maybe there's a step of that. Maybe with Coach K, it's like he's coached USA basketball, so he's worked with NBA um, prospects. So maybe that's a little bit of it to where I kind of sit there and go, yo, Shaka, like I know you want to kind of be on your high horse and say I'm not going to use that gimmicky defense, but part of me is like if it's going to win you games, pull out the gimmicky defense yeah. and go to work. What are you kind of thinking right now, Pat? I'm kind of thinking that, I think that a lot of the criticism around Shaka's those teams has been like they can't shoot or they don't have uh-huh. the dominant guard play that's needed. And unfortunately, I think a lot of that was kind of the spec with like the tragic thing that happened to Andrew Jones. Andrew yeah. Jones was supposed to be that 
key guard for that team to help run that offense. And unfortunately, when he was diagnosed with leukemia, that was really awful to hear. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it, it kind of took away from what he wanted his guard play to be. And I, I hear he's coming back this year, which is really awesome. And I'm mm-hmm. really glad for him. But I think that his lack of consistent guard play, the best guard he has had at Texas was Isaiah Taylor, and he didn't recruit him. He was a Rick Barnes guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think that that complete lack of guard, like dominant guard play, kind of detracted from all of those top center recruits that he's kind of brought in over the, these years. And I think that's that's got to be a big reason why they're kind of stuck in the middle of like we're not we're not a bad program, but we're not a really elite one either. I also take slight difference. I still think Kansas is a real elite program, despite the terrible, disappointing <laughs> year that we had. <laughs> and I'll I will be the first to it. say this is the worst Kansas season we've ever played, but... As I said it, I'm Texas, like, I, think, I wonder what yeah. Pat's going to say being a, uh, a UK alum. Can I, get, can I get away with this? It's a KU alum. UK KU. Kentucky. Yeah. UK's Kentucky. <laughs> Come on, man. But yeah, when I think about Texas, they, they're still stuck in that no man's land, and I think they were just, they were just hurt by mm-hmm. just really unforeseen circumstances but I still think that despite those circumstances, they probably should have found a way around it, but they just didn't, they haven't been able to do it. The last thing I'll say before I throw out the question of should he be on the hot seat? I'm going to throw out the should he be on the hot seat and will he survive the season? So that's the question I want you guys to kind of prep for while I make this last statement. The two teams that I think that are not Texas that are going to play heavy hands in what happens with Shaka after the season is Illinois and Memphis. And the reason why I say that is first I'll start with Memphis. I, Dave, I was talking about their recruiting class to you before Pat even called. We've been talking about this recruiting class for months Dude, now. It is stacked. It is stacked. And part of me feels like, and I know that the whole Penny Hardaway thing of like embracing Memphis and like go bring Memphis guys in and we're going to do this Absolutely. for Memphis. If they shock the world, and I'm saying shock the world, like if they're a one seed basically and a powerhouse this year, yeah. if I'm Texas, I'm looking like, huh, this first year, he's he's already doing that. What are you doing? And then Illinois, where Brad Underwood, I know he's this would be his third year there building a team. <sighs> If Illinois is able to make some noise and make the tournament like successfully, yet again, if I'm Texas, I kind of give that side eye to Shaka Smart and go, yeah, Brad Underwood in his third year is making especially if uh, Underwood and the Illini win a game or two in the tournament. Then I'm really giving that side eye of like, hmm, why aren't we winning games in the tournament? And why are we losing to Northern Iowa and Nevada in these tournament games to where – I feel like Shaka should be on the hot seat. I feel like Texas is not going to have a great year this year. They may make the tournament get bounced in the first round. That's the best they'll do. I think he will sadly survive the year, but should be on the hot seat. Should he survive the year, though? No. I'll say he will survive the year. Should he survive the year? No. That's my prediction for Texas. Pat, we'll go to you first. What do you think with Shaka? What would be your prediction for Texas this year. Yeah. So should he be on the hot seat? For all the reasons I talked about, yeah, he should be on the hot seat. He's, I think right now he's like one of the, he's the top 15 paid coaches in all college basketball. And you look at the list of the ones with him, he's the only one in the last five years who has so little to show for in terms of conference championships, conference tournament wins, 
and just going far in making the tournament. So what he's being paid for at Texas is they're really not reaping what they're selling him out for. Should he be, should he survive the season? I feel like he is because after everything I've read about Chris Del Conte, even though Chris Del Conte didn't hire him as a basketball coach, as the acting AD, he still has a very large amount of trust. And he's been very, very supportive of Shaka Smart being like, like, no, we're not, we're not talking about this. He's our guy. We're not, we're not getting rid of him. We're not even discussing it. And he's every time he's been asked that question, he's kind of reacted the same way. So and that's really interesting, especially for an AD that didn't hire their basketball coach. I, but that mm. probably has a lot to do with the humongous $13 million buyout that Shaka Smart would be owed if he was fired. So I think for that buyout alone, he survives the season. But should he survive the season? If they start off the same way they started the past four years, I really, really don't see a reason to keep him on. But I feel like just because of money and because probably because Texas doesn't want to pay Charlie Strong $10 million and Shaka Smart $13 million at the same time to go away, I think they'll probably keep him during the season. What do you think, Dave? I think that he is probably, if he's going anywhere, you know, I I think it's on his choice to leave. I'm digging in on the Michigan (laughs) thing. I think that's kind of fun. I mean, hey, that job is still open. It's open. He's up for consideration. Uh, and I think if I read this correctly, I, I saw a, a, a thumbs up from Billy Donovan on him, which should just scare mm-hmm. everyone. <laughs> yeah. That right there should tell I you did. just walk away. But uh, Just walk away. I, I have to agree. <laughs> I, I have to agree that he should be on a hot seat. You know, if he is still at Texas this year, there there is no way that you can tolerate this level of just – meddling around at a program that big i get it your texas football is your thing but still basketball you've had some amazing alums in basketball go through that program and you know you mentioned memphis being able to turn around and go back with uh anthony hardaway and really rejuvenate that program and i look at texas and i'm like looking through the alums from there i'm like huh I wonder, I wonder if anybody in there is coaching AAU right now. I wonder if mm-hmm. they're in the scene like Anthony was a couple years ago. Because Penny, like, he did it right. He went up, he got the kids young, yeah. and then he, he established himself as, like, he's a really smart coach, smart guy. And then he goes, okay, I'm going to go coach at college. And if you guys want to play for me again, because you guys enjoyed that so much, come on over to Memphis. We've got legitimate coaches. We've got recruiting that's going to be done here by NBA-level scouts. Like, they set themselves up for success. I think Shaka Smart has not done that for Texas, and I think that in order to get to that next level, Texas should move on from him. And the thing that I'm looking at here is I looked it up because of what Pat said. Um, This was the 2019 coaches pay. Um, So this is what they made last year i believe and then it has their buyout as of um april of this year pat was right on it's about 13.8 um million dollar buyout for shaka if we're going off of total pay with uh his bonus that he gets shaka smart makes 32 or 3.2 million dollars um at texas there are 14 schools and coaches ahead of him but just some of the guys that are below him, that's like, why? Lon Kruger, with how successful he's been in Oklahoma, he gets paid less than Chaka Smart. You also have um, Matt, Matt Painter at Purdue. I know he hasn't had tournament success, but he gets paid. Chris Beard is lower than Chaka. The big one for me is Jim Bayheim 
Bayheim only makes $2.6 million to be the coach of Syracuse. That blows my mind just because I would think Jim Bayheim better coach um, than Shaka Smart. And then I'll say the other ones are newer head coaches, lower head coaches. Um, the only one that I would think maybe is like, wow, I can't believe he's so low is Jim Laranega um, for Miami makes just over um, $2 million last year. But the only schools on top of him, the 14, Tennessee, Indiana, Wichita, um, Utah, Michigan, West Virginia, Villanova, UNC, Louisville, Kansas, Virginia, Michigan State, Number two. It's a long list. Who's number two? Is it is it Duke or Duke or Kentucky? I don't know. It's Duke. It's Duke. And then the top guy is John Calipari, who makes nine point two million dollars a year. That seems about right. And if they wanted to buy him out this year, Dave, they would have to pay him twenty five million to buy out Ooh. Coach Cal. Yeah, there's no reason to ever buy out Coach Cal. Whereas the um, Tom Izzo buyout is a five point three million. So just to put it in perspective of. One to two, but this is where you guys come in. Let's know what you think about Chaka Smart. Should he be fired? Should he be on the hot seat? What are you thinking? Are you with Should he just leave town and go to Michigan? Leave town and go to Michigan. <laughs> Apparently, there are people that I've seen with the Michigan thing is that there are Michigan blogs I've seen that are like, go target Billy Donovan. Like, go target him. I'm like, dude, he's not going to leave the NBA he's unless they fire him. Um, unless they the, should go get Juan Howard. To be that. Honest. That is who I want. There, I saw there's some name, alumni. And I went, he would be perfect for that job. I don't know if they don't win know. games, yeah. but he's the he's the alumni that I would uh, fight for for that one. But make sure to support us on Patreon. If you want to be like Pat and join a podcast and talk about what you want to talk about each and every month, join us at the gold tier. But just as low as a dollar, you can get the MVP podcast a month early. You can join our Discord server, Retro, Jake, Hubertus. Dave, myself, Mark, Sean, all the MVP guys are in there. Pat, I don't think you're in there. We're going to have to get you into that Discord server so you can join the conversation. But also rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Every five-star rating helps us get into the ears of more people. Um, want to thank Pat for joining us. Want to thank Dave for being across the table. Um, Dave, at Dave underscore don't underscore tweet. I'm at Ricky Widmer. Most Available Pod is Most Available Podcast. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.